All right, let us pray. Father, we want to give you thanks for your goodness to us. Lord, you have been good. Lord, even as we're reflecting on uh, the last month and, and all that is happening around us, Lord, we are grateful for your keeping power. You are a keeper. And we say thank you. Thank you for the gathering of the body of Christ in this place. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that, that has already been made manifest in our midst, even as we're worshiping you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that Right now, you would just anoint my voice, that your people will not hear my voice, but they will hear your voice, Lord. Speak through me. I yield myself. I realize I'm but a vessel in your hands. And so, God, I expect you to do things that are beyond my wildest dreams. And we give you thanks. Thank you for honoring your word. Thank you for healing bodies. Thank you for encouraging the hearts of the people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord is in this house. He is present with us. I want to talk to you this afternoon. It's afternoon? Yeah, I want to talk to you this afternoon about walking with God the way to please him. We all want to please the Lord. But some of us don't know how to please the Lord. So from the word this afternoon, we're going to see how we too can please the Lord. And the way we do it is to walk with him. Hebrews chapter 11 I'm going to be reading verses 5 and 6. And we'll be really camping at Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. There will be other scriptures that I will be reading. Some of them I'll take time to read. Others I will just not read. I will just tell you the scriptures because of the brevity of time. And today I want to be very, very brief. Somebody said when you hear a preacher say I'm going to be brief brief prepare for two-hour sermon. So get ready for two-hour sermon. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's really going to be brief. Hebrews 11 verses 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. For before, or let me just say, but before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading verses 22 and 24. Genesis 5, 
22. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. 300 years and had sons and daughters. Verse 24. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. So what we read in Hebrews 11, the author of Hebrew was referencing this that happened in Genesis chapter 5. That Enoch walked with God. From the reading, and again I want to encourage you church uh, to take time to read God's word. Be like the Berean Christians. Hear the word, embrace the word, celebrate, but when you go home, check out the word. I thank God for this house that we have good word, a good, good word every time from this pulpit. But even in the midst of a good word, you go home and check it out. Whatever you hear bishops say, go home and check it out. Whatever you hear me say today, go home and check it out. So, Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 is a record of the genealogy of Adam, the first man, Adam. And from reading that entire chapter, you will observe that nothing significant was said about the generations before Enoch except that they lived, they had children, and they died. What a sad commentary. Sad, sad commentary. All the generations before Enoch, they lived, they had children, and they died. Now, in that chapter, it was said twice, Enoch walked with God. I don't believe it's by accident. I believe the Holy Spirit was intentional. He emphasized the fact that Enoch walked with God. And he was not like the generations before him. He was not like them. Sad commentary indeed that you will live and your legacy will be <laughs> you live, you have children, and you die. The Holy Spirit is saying to us, it does not matter what you do with your life on earth in terms of the achievements, the fame, the money you make, all of those things, they don't count if you are not walking with God. If you do not make up your mind that I am going to walk with God, you become irrelevant. And all, all these people before Enoch, they were irrelevant. So when, when the writer of Hebrews chapter 11 that we call the, the, the book of the, or the, 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 the hall of faith, those people were not mentioned except Enoch. Because in a purpose in his heart 
that he will walk with God. He's not just going to live and have children and die. Some of us refuse to die without a legacy in the earth. And you too should refuse to leave this earth without leaving a legacy, a godly legacy. A godly legacy. So those who come after you will say, my God, in their generation, they were serving God. In their generation, God was moving in them. In their generation, they did awesome things by the power of God. Choose to walk with God. It is a choice. It is a decision. And we're going to see that shortly, even as we continue. So we can learn from Enoch, whose life has been highlighted in Hebrews chapter 11, the way we too can please God. So how did Enoch do it? You know, I'm, I'm inquisitive. I like to ask questions. I want to know how somebody did something. And if I'm able to do it, I do it. And I do it better than that person. So how did Enoch walk with God? This is what Amos 3, 3 says. Can two walk together unless they be agreed. Two persons cannot, says Amos, walk together unless there be agreement. So we can safely say concerning Enoch, he walked with God by coming into agreement with God. Now we know, at least by now you should know, that God and his word are one and the same. There is no difference. God is his word. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Yes, specifically, he's, that John is speaking about Jesus, but Jesus is one with the Father. So the word of God and God are one. So when we say Enoch walks with God, that means he embraced the word of God. He believed in the word of God. No doubt there were stories that were told of God's faithfulness to the generation of Adam, even in the midst of sin. I remember when you read the scripture, how Adam sinned, and when God came to the garden, and, and God said, Adam, where are you? He said, I'm naked. God said, who told you when you were naked? And God killed an animal to cover his nakedness. So even in the midst of sin, God made provision. Enoch pleased God by coming into agreement with God's word. Whatever he heard, whatever stories were passed down to the generations, including Adam himself, that God is awesome. 
and talking about all the things that God did, especially the, the promise God made to the devil who came and messed up God's plan for man. And he introduced sin in the garden. God had a word for the enemy. God said to the enemy in Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed with a capital S. God was foretelling the coming of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. God was speaking about Jesus even in, the, in Genesis. And so Enoch must have heard this story. And he looked forward to the day where, where God's word would come to life, where God's word would become flesh in Christ Jesus to bring deliverance to man who lost his position with God because of sin. And we, like Enoch, can please God by walking with him, by coming into agreement with his word. Whenever you agree with God's word, you are walking with God. Because two cannot walk together unless they be agreed. So whenever God says something and you say yes, sir, even though you don't want to do it, it's hard on your flesh. God says forgive that person even as I in Christ Jesus forgive you and you don't want to do it. The moment you allow yourself, your flesh to come under and you do the word of God, you are walking with God. When you embrace God's word, that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness. My God, we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. When you believe that word, you are walking with God. And I just want to, this is sidebar. For those of you who still believe you are under a generational curse. Please, today, hang up your hats. <laughs> because Jesus translated you. You know, I, I, I was born in a tropical country called Liberia. And, and I was raised in a tropical country called Liberia. And we deal with malaria. Any of you know malaria? Okay. And every year, I would have malaria. And you know, I didn't know malaria was a terrible thing because we got malaria, we took the chloroquine, we recovered, and we went about our business. It wasn't until I saw a few people come so close to dying, and I realized that malaria was deadly. So every year, whether I liked it or not, because malaria comes from mosquitoes, and we have a whole bunch of mosquitoes. And so every year we expected it. And we got what we expected. But then one day I was translated from the environment where there are mosquitoes that gave malaria. I came to the U.S. and all that foolishness stopped. No more malaria because I'm not, 
I'm no longer in a malaria zone. And so when you are in Christ, you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness. Are there generational curses? Yes. But I like how the Nigerians say it, minus me. Minus me. Yeah, there are generational curses. But those who are not in Christ, that is their portion. But when you are in Christ, that thing is broken over your life. I don't care who your dad was. I don't care what kind of loose life he lived. When you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You've been translated from the mosquito zone, and now you're in an area where there are no mosquitoes and therefore no malaria. Well, let me just say, spiritual things are voice activated. So if you keep saying you honor a generational curse, may it be unto you as you have declared. The word of God says he made us more than conquerors. It would have been enough to be a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. We need to believe it. We need to walk in it and walk with God. Come into agreement. In fact, that's, that's the meaning of the word confession. To say the same thing as. So when we are confessing God's word, we're saying what God has said concerning us. It is powerful. Now, from reading Hebrews 11, Hebrews says, but with our faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is. So if you are an unbeliever, you need to come to God. If you are a believer, you still need to come because there's a level in God that you have not yet reached. Come. All those who come to him must believe that he is. God is. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, God. And I mean simple words, but yet so powerful. In the beginning, God. God is. When Moses went to Egypt to bring out the children of Israel, and God said, Moses, I want you to go. And Moses said, God, you don't know these people. First, the, the Egyptians, they could care less. If I, Pharaoh asked Moses, who is your God? And then the Hebrew children, headache. I mean, can you imagine? This is sidebar. This is not the sermon. I mean, God delivered them out of Egypt, out of bondage from slavery. The enemy had his foot on their necks. And they got into the wilderness, and because some things did not align with what they thought was going to be, they started fussing. Oh, Moses, we wish we had gone back to Egypt uh, because of the garlic, and, I mean garlic, and leeks, and melons. Sad commentary. You know, we're talking about them, but we are like that too. Okay, I will leave it right there. I'll drop the mic. 
He who comes to God must believe that he is. Talking about the essence of God. That God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. God knows the past. God knows the present. God knows the future. God knows every detail of your life. God knows that, we has, that which has happened to you, how you were hurt, how you were abused. God knows it. God knows what you are going through now. And even tomorrow, God already knows it. And the beautiful thing is he's already made provision. God has gone ahead of you, child of God. And in Christ Jesus, he made provision for the promises of God are yea and amen. And everything you and I need for life and godliness, he has already given us. So I don't know who is listening this afternoon or morning. It's not yet 12. I don't know who is listening this morning. And what you are going through. Someone said in a group like this, you got three categories of people. There are some people who are just coming out of trouble. There are some people who are about to enter trouble. And there are some people who are in the midst of trouble. It does not matter what category you're in. The truth is God is omniscient and he knows it didn't catch him by surprise it caught you by surprise but it did that and not only does he know he has already made provision I like that he knows every detail everything about me and you know, we get so worried, we're so concerned, and oh God, and I do that sometimes too. So I'm not just talking to you. You know, a little thing, and oh God. But you forgot that whatever you went through before, he delivered you. <laughs> when you were in Egypt, he delivered you. And now this little thing. And you all nervous, sleepless nights. I do it to you. I'm not just talking to you. I'm preaching to myself. We forget that God knows about us. The songwriter says, through my transitions, you held my position. Child of God, you are secure in his hands. Because the one who knows you Nobody understands you, but he does. He knows you. He created you. And, and even the mess that you make yourself, God is able to take all of that. I don't know how he does it. Thank God I'm not God. But he's able to take your mess and my mess. Let me put myself in it. My mess too. It cause everything to work together for our good. Job 23.10 says, he knows the way I take. I met with a sister yesterday, and, and she, we were talking. I mean, just having a good time and being in her presence, uh, drinking some onion soup, and I'm uh, making some of you hungry now. Onion soup and eating some pear chicken salad. And then she asked me, you know, how did you and Bishop meet? By the way, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Bishop's wife, just in case. 
Okay, let me say it better. I'm the better half. The better half. Okay. So she said, how did you and Bishop meet? And I said, girl, you got all day? <laughs> and I told her that story. I think I took over the whole conversation when I was going home. I said, Chris, you talk too much. You didn't even allow her to share anything. But it was like a door swung wide open. And even as I started to recount God's faithfulness every step of the way, how we met, and Bishop and I, we've been married for 100 years now, you know. <laughs> you know, in every step, every milestone, looking at God's faithfulness, my God. And sometimes in my mind, in my mind, I see like a, a, a spiritual guardrail. God puts around me. Oh, yeah, the Bible says he surrounds me with favor as a shield. And so he puts a guardrail around me so I can only go so far and no longer. And then he brings me back on track. You see, it is not my calling. It is his calling. And because it's his calling, he's watching over it. He's protecting that call. He who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is omniscient. Jeremiah says, before, not even while, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. Or oh, God said to Jeremiah, I knew you. Not only is God omniscient, God is omnipresent. That means he's present everywhere at the same time. We're meeting at, uh, it's almost 12, and there are so many people in the body of Christ all over the world. They are meeting too. And guess what? God is here, and God is there too. So when you're in your room and you're praying, God is there. And when I'm in my room, God is there. When I'm in Liberia praying, God is there. When you are in Salo praying, God is there. When you are in U.S., God is there. And he is listening to God. I don't know how you do it. Can you imagine millions of voices going up and God is able to identify your voice? Ah. The Bible says, he knows the stars by name. And surely, if God knows the stars by name, he knows your name. Yeah. You know, when you're going through situations, the enemy makes you feel, oh, God has forgotten. God, yeah, right. And no way God can forget you. The Bible says we are, our names are written. On the palms of his hand. So I can imagine every time God, he, maybe he doesn't want to lift up his hand. But I don't care how he does it. Every time he lifts up his hand, my name is right there. Ah. God is present everywhere. Now I need to read this, this psalm to you about God being present everywhere. Psalm 1. 39, 7 to 11. Psalm 139, <clears throat> 7 to 11. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, do you know God is in hell? God is, that's what the word says, unless the word is lying. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there also. So I don't care what hell you're going through right now. I just want to say to you, God is there. He is in the midst. He is wiping your tears. He is encouraging your heart. He is saying, child of mine, be courageous. Don't be afraid because I am with you. God is present everywhere. Let's read on. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Wow. The dark circumstances, the, the, the psalmist says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because that's what it, the enemy threatens us with. Death. Some of us don't want to talk about life insurance, death insurance, because we feel when we do so, we're inviting death. But you know, even, even in death, God stepped in death. The word of God says, where is your sting, O death? O grave, where is your victory? So God uses the very thing that we're afraid of to transport us into his presence. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't know why I'm talking about death. Anyway, just overlook that. <laughs> With long life, he will satisfy us. We got work to do, so we have long life. So God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Even in your mother's womb, God is there. And the amazing thing, this God of the universe, so awesome. You know, I didn't know how expansive the universe was. And the scientists are saying the universe is expanding. No, it's not. When God spoke... Listen to me speaking with such authority. <laughs> no, it's not. When God spoke and said, let it be, it happened, and it has been that way since. We are discovering. We are discovering. Man, this God must be big. If you knew how huge the universe is. That even the diameter, we, we're in the... Um, we're in a milky way. You know, you don't realize that you're on earth and your feet on the ground. You know what? You're on a ball that got no cables holding us. We just suspended in the air. And you know what? When God spoke, it happened and it continues to be, even according to his word. Let me hurry. I was told I got 10 minutes. Woo, I thought I had an hour more. God is omnipresent. Not only is he omniscient, omnipresent, but God is omnipotent. 
God is all powerful. He has unlimited power. And he can do anything he chooses to do. My God, that a man would be, I don't know, Abraham was a hundred and Sarah was as old. And when God got ready in the fullness of time, he caused Sarah and Abraham to come together and they had a baby. Talk about God's power. When Jesus went to Lazarus' grave, Somebody said, good thing Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Because he has said, come forth, all the dead people. <laughs> all the dead people will rise. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. I'm talking about the power of God. Hebrews 4, 17 says, God gives life even to the dead. So every dead situation in, in your life are commanded to have life because God's word is being proclaimed and the power of God is being revealed. Every dead thing come alive in the name of Jesus. God is omnipotent. So the next time the enemy wants to threaten you and make you feel like, Oh, just step away. You know, when we're young, I don't know if some of you experienced it, and you had some uh, bullies. We didn't used to call them bullies. We didn't have a label for them, but they were, now I know they were bullies. And they want to, after school, take you to the back. And then you know you, you got some big brother, so you all mouthing off. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. And then, and then the fight about to start. As soon as you see that person, you just go to the side and let the person take over for you. That's what God does to the enemy. <laughs> I'm having such a good time up here, y'all. Okay. So, the way to please God is not just having faith. And believing that he is, he is all-knowing, he is present everywhere, at the same time all-powerful. But it is believing and having faith that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what should you do? Just take the next step. Now that you have heard that God is a reward, you know, as people were motivated by rewards. Oh, yeah, because I, I go to work, even though I don't care for my job, I don't like my boss, but at the end of two weeks, I'm going to have a paycheck. Yeah, that's motivation. That's a reward. That's what rewards will do. And because God knows us, so God is also a rewarder. That when we seek his face, he rewards us. What does it mean to seek God? It means to seek his presence. To set your heart and mind on him. To consciously fix your mind's attention and heart's affection upon him. It has to be intentional. It, it doesn't happen organically. You have to be conscious of seeking him. First Chronicles 22, 9 says, Now set your mind and heart to seek 
the Lord your God. And don't just seek him. It's wonderful to seek. Don't, don't do it that way. The word tells us to seek him diligently. Not casually. Not half-heartedly. Not off and on. But incessantly. Without ceasing. Without being tired. That's how you want to seek the Lord. With all of your heart. Remember the one being sought here is God. And he rewards us with himself. He rewards us with his presence. Now I'm concluding. I think my time is up. But like I always do, I borrow some of Bishop's time from next, next week. So I'm indebted to this man. I'm always borrowing time from his sermon. <clears throat> In Genesis 5 and Hebrews 11, both passages say, Enoch walked with God and he was not found because God took him. Yes, God literally took Enoch. Enoch did not taste death. God took him. He did not see death because God stepped in and God took Enoch. And we who are purposing to please God, even as Enoch did, walking with him, coming into agreement with his word, by faith believing that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek his presence, we also figuratively will be taken by the Lord. You will cease to be you because every time you come into his presence, you are transformed. Oh, I'm just reminded, somebody said this, that the, in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, the, the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. They said, well, but they don't get tired. No, because there's so many facets to God. Every time God removes his jacket a little bit, they say holy. Every time he does something else, they say holy. And when you and I embrace God's word, we believe God's word, we align our lives to God's word, we come into agreement with God's word, that word brings about transformation. And figuratively, we become another person. We become just like him. I was sharing with the first service that my husband and I have been married for 100 years. I just told you, 100 years we've been married. And initially when we started off, we're not saying the same thing. But over the years, I realized we're making similar decisions. We're saying the same things. In fact, on several occasions, I'll be thinking something, and then he would just say, so I was just thinking that. Or, I, or he would be thinking something, and I would just say, we're becoming alike. Of course, it doesn't sound like me, you know that. But, but we're becoming alike. Same thing. When you come into agreement, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And you're walking with God, you are transformed daily. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. That Greek word for transformed use here means to be changed into. 
So we are changed. We're becoming more and more like God. And I'm going to end with this. This is what 1 John 3, 2 says. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. I like that. That's how take a look at it. Take a good look at me because I'm being transformed. I'm looking just like Jesus. And the verse goes on that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. People of God, I want to encourage you. Thank God for your salvation. Rejoice. Celebrate. But do not rest on your laurels. There, there's more in God, heights, depths, that you and I have not yet reached. But you purpose in your heart that you will walk with God, that you will come into agreement with his word, that you will believe that by faith you will, you will, you will seek his face diligently. I guarantee you, you will not be the same person. And when the Lord appears, you will see yourself just like him. Just like him. Because we are being transformed. Father, I thank you so much for this word. Lord, thank you for ministering to your people. I don't know who this word is for, but you know, you know all things. And so you sent forth this word. To break yokes, to destroy bondages, to cause your people to be set free. And even those who do not know you, Lord, that your word like a hammer will break stony hearts. I thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here under the sound of my voice, you can't even begin walking with God until you surrender your life to him. And you want to walk with God. You are sick. And tired of the person you are. You want to be transformed. I want you to pray with me now. We heard the sinner's prayer doesn't save you. It has to be a heart attitude. That you truly want change because you're sick and tired of the same or same. Or pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> I've heard that you came and like the Lamb of God, that you are, you laid down your life for me. You gave yourself for me that I may live. Lord, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, but I've heard how much you love me. And today I want to surrender my heart to you. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I receive him into my heart now. Thank you, Lord for coming into my heart, for bringing about transformation. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the grace to grow and to continue to grow and be transformed. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And if you really pray that prayer from your heart, I want to be the first to say welcome to the family of God. Let us grow together so that when he shows up, we will be just like him. God bless you.